to the Equiline podcast number two. I'm Dr. Wendy Corin. I'm Dr. David Lundquist. And today we want to talk about how it is that we got involved in the movement movement for animals. We've both been animal lovers from the start. We've had our share of animals. Uh, I've got my start with animals, basically with my own, my own animals. I had Rottweilers that ran into each other at very high speeds. And it was interesting enough because I happened to be taking, I took my Rottweiler to the veterinarian and the veterinarian looked at me and he said, well, don't you adjust your own animals? He said, you know, there's a, a there's a, actually a course out there for chiropractors and veterinarians about animal chiropractic. And that got me very curious as I was in my practice and treating a lot of humans. I also had the experience of one of my patients at the time called up and said, do you think you could treat a rabbit? And I had no clue about the anatomy of a rabbit or even if I could help. And they said, well, this is a show rabbit and it's got a show this week and it's lost its ability to hop. I had no clue. But I said, let's bring it in because I'd like to take a look. So I'm thinking you're going to bring in this little bunny looking rabbit. This guy shows up and has a rabbit that's two and a half, three feet long, a big lop-eared bunny rabbit. And he's right. It could not lift its back end. It could not hop. It could, could barely move. I laid it down on the table and started running my hands down its spine. And I would feel things that were moving or not moving. And when I got to something that wasn't moving, I would put movement through it. And I got down to his low back and I found something that seemed a little stuck and I adjusted it. And the next thing I know, that rabbit gets up, hops over to me and leans up against me. I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? This is amazing. And that was how I started looking more at the animal spines as much as the human spines. And once again, if you've heard our first <laughs> podcast, you'll know that Dave and I end up in the same place coming from vastly different experiences. I've also had animals my whole life and both dogs, horses, and cats my adult life. And I have petted them, palpated them, listened to them. But it wasn't until I was in practice and I happened to be in Connecticut, happened to have a lot of equestrians in my practice, that one of my clients came in so distraught and literally couldn't sit still, tears running. She was going to take her five-year-old Hanoverian and have to put him down because he was not able to move. They couldn't get him out of the stall. The vets had been out. They didn't know what was locking up his hind end, but without movement, there is not life. And she said they just had exhausted now, granted, we're going back 30 some odd years ago. This may not have happened today, but in that day, they had exhausted everything that they had to offer. And they said, you know, once, once it can't move anymore, there's nothing else you can do. You're going to have to put him down. She said, would you, would you just take a look? Well, sure, I said, because um, I'm an animal lover and they were gonna kill him anyway. I figured what was there to lose. So I, at lunchtime, went out to her farm, went into the stall, 
And just as Dave did with the rabbit, I started palpating what I'm familiar with, which is movement of the joints. And I palpated down the entire spine and I got to the pelvis and it was like going up against an oak tree. There was no play, there was no movement. And I thought, well, life is movement. I'm going to do what I do, which is improve mobility in that area. And I put my attention and my force through there and there was an audible release and a shaking of the head and he stepped forward walked out of there that horse was five years old at 33 he decided to stop moving again he was on the cover of magazines and dressage today he got to live out his life because that patient had the faith in me and taught me to have the faith in myself and then I knew I better learn what I was doing if I was going to do this again. One of the things I've told a lot of people, if you don't have belief or faith in chiropractic, what you need to do is follow an animal chiropractor around for a day because you will see things, no placebo effects, no previous belief systems inset. What you do affects the spine of that animal, which affects the neurology of that animal, which changes its ability to move and function. And the response that you get from the animals are just priceless. The gratitude you get from the animals. I, we have now have stories, tens of thousands of stories. We could bore you, call in at some point. We'll tell you whatever. <laughs> Whatever direction you want to go in, I promise you we have a story for that. The thing is that the honesty of the animal, and, and of, of course our favorite stories are the most dramatic ones, where we have had the experience, this was probably 15 years ago or so, we happened to be in Vermont at a horse show, and somebody had a pug in a baby carriage. and. They strolled by us, saw that we were chiropractors. We were there for the horses at that time. And they got into a conversation and said the pug had not been able to walk in three years. They rolled it in a baby carriage. When she whined, they knew she had to go to the bathroom. They would take her out of the baby carriage and let her do what she needed to do and put her back in the baby carriage. And that was her life. Do you think you could help was the question. And the only honest answer ever is, let's see. I don't know. I don't know if the nervous system has been irreparably damaged or if this is something in between. But we can put our hands on. By this time, we'd already taken anatomy and physiology and taken um, animal chiropractic classes and on certifications. So I was definitely in a better mind space than um, back in 1982. So Dave and I both worked on this dog. It's, uh, you know, pugs are little. And so there wasn't a lot of space to move. As Soon as it got to that lumbar spine, it was swollen, it was tight, it was painful and Put a little bit of movement into there and the woman said how long before 
we can only anticipate the rest of the question as will it take to know if it works because the pug jumped out of the baby carriage and ran straight into the ring where someone was on course so chaos ensued and the next interesting question from her was do you think you'll make his tail wag again <laughs> or curl again curl again curl again do you think you make his tail curl again uh that was the second visit we made the tail curl. <laughs> it was it was kind of fascinating there to yeah. learn what's most important because our response was the dog is walking, the dog is running, the dog is moving. Her response, yeah, but can we make its tail curl? So this is why we have moved more towards the animal client than the human client. They're a lot more appreciative. You know, and we really we should back up a little bit because we did the ethical thing because neither one of us knew the anatomy of a horse. We didn't know the anatomy of a dog, a cat. We knew it had a spine and we knew how to motion a spine. We knew how to feel what was right and what was wrong, but we didn't have the background. So we went and started taking courses and we, there was a gentleman uh, veterinarian that was traveling around the country and he had a five day course and we took that a couple of times and then he had a week course and we took that and then he saw how interested we were in the animal chiropractic and he's the one who then said, you know, you guys are really interested in this and really good at it. You should take the American Veterinary Chiropractic Association's six month course and sit for the board exam. And that's exactly what we did. We took the six month course and we sat for the board exam and met incredible people that we were able to share, exchange our expertises with because the vets were great at knowing the anatomy and physiology of the animals and we were great at teaching the vets how to palpate how to observe the animal and how to work with it we worked together to create the best benefit for that animal and that's really what we are about and why we are bringing ourselves out to you because it's about what's best for the animal. It's about how to involve other professionals and owners in co-creating the best movement. And as we continue with this and bring in other guests and talk about all the ways you can help your horse, your dog, your animal move better, well, we're going to be able to co-create with you different ways to add exercises, add fascial work, add kinesiology taping, and take the basis of movement and continuously add value to your experience with your horse, your dog, or your client. Echoline was, was based on the fact that the horse and rider are a team. They work together. The horse isn't its own athlete. The human isn't their own athlete. When you're on that horse, you together are the athlete. And the more balanced each of them is, the more proficient they'll be at their job, at you will be at your job. So our our philosophy has been on aligning or balancing both the human and the rider together to create the best optimal athlete that's possible. 
And although it's more obviously true for the equestrian athlete, where the balance of the rider or lack thereof creates an imbalanced athlete, and that we want to create efficiency in movement, which means balanced movement, this is true in people who are working with agility dogs and working with working dogs, your police dogs, your search and rescue dogs, because they feed off of the movement of the human. It's always relationship. When an animal is threatened, when there's fear and they tighten up, they cannot move properly. Breathing with your animal is so critical. The same way if you're a parent, breathing with your child can calm them down. We are going to delve into many, many aspects of the ability to create the best movement and the best life and the best lifestyle for all of the mammals in our practices. We invite you to call in, write in, and email in questions because addressing your questions helps us provide even more specific information to you as we continue. This podcast is about helping you by giving you 20 years of our combined experience of horse and rider, dog and handler, so that you can provide your animal with the comfort and the increased mobility, thus increasing the quality of their life. Our communication skills that we discussed in the first podcast help us listen. And as you know, whether it's interpersonal or interhuman animal, nonverbal cues are what real communication is all about. And as you learn to listen to your horse, to your dog, to your humans around you, you'll be able to provide the best possible care because so often a person will say, I'm fine. And we all know what that means. Your dog won't say I'm fine, but your dog may get quiet if it's hurting, or your dog may lash out if it's hurting. Your horse may avoid you if it's hurting, or it may kick or bite if it's hurting. You have to listen to the specific animal in order to give the best treatment possible. I wanna thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Wendy Corin. I'm Dr. Dave Lundquist. And we'll see you next time on the Equiline Podcast.